are the Rookie Phenoms. We have an amazing show for you today. I'm your host, Coop, with my main man, Webb. What is up, people? Webb is in a great mood today. I'm loving life. We have a great show for you. We're going to end the show with an amazing interview with Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report. He has a book out right now called Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. The NBA draft's coming up. You need to get this book before the draft. It is amazing. It's a must read. Yeah. Very, very good book. Both Coop and I purchased a copy each. And he also broke the story on the Pacers uh, a couple weeks, about a week ago um, with Coach Nate. So very plugged in and cool guy. Uh, But we're going to start the show today, of course, with the NBA play-in tournament. Webb and I had our thoughts on if it was a good idea or not, but it's here. So let's discuss it. Uh, How it works in the NBA. This year, the seven and eight in each seed play. If the seven or eight win, they get the seven seed. The loser from, sorry, the nine ten play as well. The winner of that game plays the loser of the seven eight game. Whoever wins that game gets the eight seed. Did I explain that correctly, Web? I already know how it works. So, like to me, you couldn't really screw it up. But it's a confusing sort of format. So you did a good job. Yes. Yeah, it really is. It's a weird. It's weird how they're doing it. I have to look at the like the chart they made on NBA.com because I was like, it's really, it's kind of hard to picture it in my head for some reason. The way I see it is, all right. So if you're the seventh or the eighth seed at the end of the regular season, you get two shots to make the playoffs. So if you're the seventh seed, you lose. You get another shot to then become the eighth seed. If you're the eighth seed and you lose, you get another shot to 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 play. So yeah. So how the schedule is working tomorrow, Tuesday the eighteenth. Charlotte plays Indiana, and Washington play Boston. Then Wednesday, San Antonio plays Memphis. Golden State plays Los Angeles. So the winner of Golden State versus Los Angeles gets in the playoffs right away. And the winner of Boston versus Washington gets in the playoffs right away. Then the winner of Charlotte, Indiana plays the loser of Washington, Boston. The winner of San Antonio, Memphis plays the loser of Golden State, Los Angeles. I think I got that correct. I know that's smart, but I'm pretty sure it was correct. Good job. It's a, it's a very unique format for major sports. It really is. So, Webb, your Lakers are in the playing game. We're going to get to them. Let's do the... So, I have a question for you, actually, first, before we get into the games. Portland, Dallas, and the Lakers all finished 42-30. and 30. Do you think it's right that Portland and Dallas make it right into the playoffs and the Lakers get in the playoff games? I don't think that's right. To be honest? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. However... Being a biased Laker fan, just for this question, I'd rather be the seventh seventh seed as the Lakers playing Philly than being the fifth seed as Dallas playing the Clippers. No, I, I get that. Like you'd rather play, but I just don't think it's right that five, six, and seven all tie, and five and six get reward, and seven doesn't. That makes no sense. I don't like how that works. Yeah, I agree, and I think. Um, well, I'm I'm on the fence with the. The playing format, but this that you're bringing up, this three-way tie in, in records, it's kind of arbitrary, right? Like to reward the two teams and then uh, have the other team uh, have to play for their for their life here. So maybe that's something the NBA can address next year if they're bringing this thing in. Because I thought this whole thing was to get Zion in the the playoffs. Failed two years in a row, but we'll see. Let's get. To the games. Start in the East because those games are on Tuesday. Let's start with the 7-8 matchup. Washington versus Boston. They play at 9 o'clock. I think Boston is not good. Am I crazy here thinking Washington can win this game? 
Oh, I have Washington winning this game because I think Washington's two stars, uh, Russ and, and Bradley Beal, are honestly better right now with how they're playing than Jason Tatum and Kemba Walker. That Jalen Brown injury is a huge hit. Kemba's so unreliable this season. His knee's been acting up. I just, I don't believe in the team at all. Marcus Smart is so up and down to me. He thinks he's a $100 million guy and he's not. Like, I think Boston's not winning this game. I think Washington wins pretty handedly, honestly. I think it'll be close. I think Washington will win by, I don't know, I think it'll come down to the last minute or two. Just because I think Jason Tatum's so good. Uh, and Boston can still shoot from deep. They have Evan Fournier, they have Tatum, they have uh, Kemba. Marcus Smart can hit threes as well. Uh, not to mention Pritchard and those players. But I just think Washington is just has been one of the hottest teams over the last month. And Boston's been one of the coldest teams. And Brad Stevens might be on his way out. Boston has been down by 20 this year, 14 times. And down by 10 this year, 40 different games. That is pathetic. I thought this team was going to contend for the East title. Like, I thought they were a real contender. They're maybe the most disappointing team this year. They're bad. They're really bad. And I don't see them getting out. The funny thing is, even if they do beat Washington, you're going to play Brooklyn. They're going to get smoked. 100%. Although, Washington versus Brooklyn is kind of fun. Seeing Westbrook versus KD, I would enjoy that a lot. That is true. I mean... I think Westbrook might punch KD in the face. Like I would, I would root for that 100%. That'd be really fun to watch. Why? Why the violence? Because Westbrook isn't scared of KD. And KD, like a month ago, made a list of the top five players he's ever played with, and he didn't mention Westbrook at all. That happened on this, and I was going to mention it on the show, but your love of KD, I knew you would never criticize him, so I didn't bring it up. But what a jerk move to not mention Westbrook. He won an MVP. Trying to think. I'm trying to think if he's justified in that. So let's say Harden, Kyrie, Clay, Steph. Yeah, he probably should have mentioned Russ. Russ. Russ should have at least come in number five. He has played with four great players. He but, has, but yeah. he played with Kyrie for like six games. Let's calm it down. <laughs> Relax here. So we both have Washington advancing. That's really interesting. I didn't I thought you were a Boston stand because you're a Lakers love. <laughs> love to see Boston get kicked out. Me too. Okay, Although this so- won't kick them out. We're going to get to that, and I still think they might get kicked out. <laughs> okay, the, the first game of that night is Charlotte versus Indiana, the 9-10. So whoever loses is out automatically, and the winner plays the loser of Washington-Boston. Charlotte can't win this game, can they? I think they're done. No, I think they have a chance. I, I want to root for LaMelo, but just I think they're not that good a team. I really, I think Indiana is just a better team right now. What sucks is that Gordon Hayward's not going to play. So if Charlotte can hit their threes... I think they have a real chance. Um, let's see how healthy Sabonis is. Uh, but I don't. I wouldn't say it's going to be a lopsided match or lopsided uh, outcome for Indiana. I just I don't believe in Indiana very much. I thought they were a better team than they actually are. And all that drama with Coach Nate that we'll talk about later. Um, I think Charlotte might win this. They're hungry. If Hayward was playing, I would pick Charlotte. But without him, I think Indiana's going to get it. So I'm picking Indiana to win. Are you gonna sit on the fence like you usually do, or are you gonna pick you gonna pick winner for this game? I'm gonna go with Charlotte. Ooh, I like it. I like it very, very much. Okay, so Boston versus Charlotte for you. Who wins that game? That's a good, that's a good matchup. I think that goes down to the wire. The experience, I'll go with Boston. Indiana versus Boston for me. I have Indiana winning the game. Okay. Indiana's gonna win this game. 
Coach Nate will not get fired because he made the playoffs. I agree with that. If if Coach Nate makes the playoffs, he's not getting fired. They brought him in. They wanted him there for some reason. I mean, we're going to talk about it a little bit later with Jake, but it seems to be a mistake. I think he's going to need to win these games to make it, and I think, they, I think he will. Yeah, we'll see. Let's move to the West. San Antonio, Memphis, Golden State, the Lakers. Whoever wins Golden State versus L.A. is in as a seven seed. Whoever loses plays the winner of San Antonio versus Memphis. Let's start with Golden State versus the Lakers. Well, I know you think the Lakers are going to win this game. What has to happen for Golden State to win? Golden State has to, as a team, just be unconscious from deep. So not just Steph, but the entire team hitting all their threes. Baysmore, Wiggins, Toscano, Jordan Poole, Mike Mulder, all those guys hitting their threes. Draymond, or maybe not Draymond, but everyone just on point having such an efficient offense. That's all I see. I agree with you. I think Steph needs to go for like 45 like he did last night against Memphis. And Draymond has to get like 16 and Wiggins needs like 25. Am I the only one that wasn't that impressed with Steph's performance yesterday? Yes. He he took 22 threes, man. So if you watch the game, though, they were down 97-95, I think. Then he hit three giant deep threes to win the game to ice it. I don't care. He's a fantastic shooter. He's going to hit them at some point. But he took 22 threes. I don't care if he hit three in a row late in the game. He's taken, I actually counted, he took 125 threes in eight games. That's insane. No one in history has had that green light to shoot it from deep. Not Peja, not Corver, not Larry Bird. It's insane. He's the best shooter of all time. And who 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 else do you want shooting? Do you want want us kind of Anderson shooting these threes? No, give Steph the ball, get out of the way. That's no, their just, best chance to win. I'm just, I'm not saying he shouldn't. I'm just saying like it's a high volume, it's a high clip, man. Like, yeah, he's the best. I'll say three point shooter of all time. But I just wasn't that impressed. Eh. Your your hatred for anything not LA is so obvious that you, because you love the Lakers so much, you were willing to downplay a great Steph Curry achievement. It's very you know, petty. And not at all shocking. You know what? If he does it tomorrow, sorry, on Wednesday against the Lakers, I'll be more impressed. But Steph is live and die by the three. I think he's a fantastic Hall of Famer, you know, great player on and off the court, uh, great person on and off the court. Um, But I just think that when he's not hitting that three, he's relatively ineffective. So he has to be on point on Wednesday's game to even have a chance. So you were saying there is a 0% chance that they win this game, right? Because the Lakers are going to win 100%. 0% chance Golden State wins this game, right? The Lakers are guaranteed to advance against the trash bag Steph Curry, as you called him. I don't think I'd ever give a team 0% to win, especially in one game. So I'd say 98% chance that the Lakers win. I appreciate you saying how bad Steph Curry sucks. He's the best three-point shooter. You keep hedging hedging about how good he is as a player. And I really appreciate it because when Steph Curry beats the Lakers, you were going to look foolish. You know what's funny? I was looking at this and like people were really on Steph for MVP. It's, you know, he turned it on late in the year, but it, the whole year that the Warriors were struggling, he was kind of struggling. I, I'm just not on the Steph Curry wagon this year. I think like Westbrook, when 
KD left the 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 Thunder. People, the media really want him to do well. Steph is by himself this year with Clay being hurt, uh, with James Wiseman getting hurt, uh, with Wiggins not being good. I think people want him to do well, and he has played very well. He got the scoring title and was like the him and Jordan were the only players like thirty three and over to get it. But he doesn't worry me when I have a team of Drummond, Marcus Gasol, AD, obviously LeBron, just size inside. So let's let Curry hit his three. Lakers are just going to dominate inside. Who's stopping those big men inside? Their own health, probably. Anthony Davis is going to fall down four times and hurt his knee. LeBron hurt his ankle coming back last night or two nights ago. Sorry, like yesterday. Yesterday, sorry, yeah, yesterday. This team isn't the picture of health right now. Who's going to stop Andre Drummond? The Detroit Pistons front office, okay? For a month and a half, they stopped them. No problem. Um, yeah, I just... Yeah, you liked that one, didn't you? I'm... <laughs> First of all, it was Cleveland. <laughs> Cut that joke right out. <laughs> <laughs> Second... Uh, or I should say first. Uh, yeah, I'm not really worried. Not worried at all. And you know, and you know what's even better? Um, the fact that if the Lakers even lose, they're still not eliminated. Now, I don't want to get the eighth seed because I would not want the Lakers to play Utah first round. As much as I think the Lakers can beat Utah in the first round, I think it'll be very, very, very hard. Um, so I'd rather they play Phoenix. So I think the Lakers are going to have that on their mind. They want to avoid Utah in the first round. Meet them in the West Finals if they make it. They being Utah. And, uh, yeah. And Utah's a bad matchup because they go bare. Just the size they have inside. It's going to be tough. They have great shooting as well. Better than the Warriors. Yeah. Utah's a really good team, man. They're excellent. Also, just for the record, I have never had, I have never been so proud of a joke, of a joke and then so disgusted by the same joke as quickly as you did to me right there. You really just... <laughs> I am hurt emotionally at how you did me there. You you couldn't have let that go. You had to no, bring me down. I was not letting that go. I, I I was, you know, considering not saying anything, but I was like, nah. <laughs> you brought me down like Golden State's gonna bring down the Lakers on Wednesday night. Can't wait. 10 p.m. Eastern. Can't wait. Okay, the other game, Wednesday night, earlier game is San Antonio versus Memphis. The winner of that game moves on to play the loser of Golden State Los Angeles. The loser goes home. Webb. Memphis this year won 38 games. The Spurs won 33. Does San Antonio have a chance to win this game? Yeah, they have a chance. I I put it at 60-40 in favor of Memphis. But yeah, I definitely think they have a chance. Just with the familiarity, being in the same division, Spurs have a really good team. Um, and they, they have great chemistry and ball movement. But I definitely say they have a chance. I think this game is closer to 50-50. I just trust Pop so much in these kind of games. Pop is the best coach in the NBA, probably, if not top three. Damar has been in these kind of games. He hasn't won many of them, but he's been there before. Definitely been there. He has been there and got swept plenty of times. He is excellent at doing that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think just I watching this game with Golden State yesterday for Memphis, they don't scare me. Like, Jaw's fun, but does he scare you? Jonas is good, but does he scare you? Like, I'm just not scared of this Memphis team at all. I think I'm way more intimidated by Memphis than the Spurs. No one on the Spurs scares me, and I feel like they just don't have the size. Like, they have great ball moving. They can hit the three, but they don't have that that guy, really. Like, I I, I love DeJounte. 
I like DeRozan. I like uh, Lonnie Walker, Keldon Johnson, but I think John Morant's a beast. I think he's very underrated. I think he's the best player in this series. Um, and it's a great luxury that they got uh, JJJ back. And I think Valanciunas has been one of the best big men in the league this year. Uh, really went under the radar, had his best year in his career. And I think the, the that members can 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 uh, hit the three in this game as well too. So I, the familiarity and it's going to be a very close matchup, but I think Memphis wins this. So of all those guys, I think Pop is the scariest person in the series. I'm more scared of Pop than John Morant, Jonas, or JJJ. That's just me personally. I think Memphis should win this game based on talent, but I think I'm leading Spurs based on just they've been there. I think the Spurs are going to win this game. I don't know why. It's going to be close, but I think the Spurs eke it out in the end. Okay. I can't wait, though, man. I cannot wait. I think it'll be a fun game. Mostly because it's two small market teams. I think that's really fun when these guys get to showcase on national TV. It's fun to see that. Yeah, and I I love Memphis, man. I like Dylan Brooks. You said you like to rep Canadians, so it'd be great to see Dylan Brooks have a good game. Um, he got hurt yesterday. Oh, sorry. He got he fouled out yesterday, which he was guarding Steph really well. He was, Steph was having a bad game when Brooks was guarding him. Dylan Brooks is good, man. He's a kind of finicky when it comes to efficiency but he can be hot he can drop 40 like he's a heat check guy okay so i was making jokes earlier i think golden state loses to the lakers realistically does golden state beat i think san antonio does golden state beat memphis for you oh 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 wow okay we're getting into we're getting spicy here i love it yesterday was was meaningless essentially but between golden state and memphis all four of those teams the Lakers, Golden State, Memphis, San Antonio were in the playoffs. Um, so maybe I think Memphis wanted to try their luck, play the Spurs rather than playing the Lakers and, and, and you know, uh, not win that game. So I think Memphis gets revenge here. I think Curry probably has another game and they lose. So I'm going Memphis. I just don't see Steph Curry losing to John Morant. I think Steph's going to advance to the playoffs. I think he's too good a player. He's an all-time guy. I don't see him losing two games in a row back-to-back. With the playoffs slice in the line. He's going to win. They're going to get the eighth seed. They're going to win. Yeah, they lost two games in a row many times this season. So I can definitely see it happening again. I meant with the game on the line. Like the playoffs, like a clutch game. He's going to win. I well, love, how, have to. I love he, how much you disrespecting Steph Curry right now. I enjoy this very much. I like I like Steph. I'm just saying he's going to have to. There's a lot of hate um, levied against Steph on Twitter. Like people are saying he didn't really do much without the star players. He hasn't done much without Clay. He hasn't done much much without without uh, KD. So we're going to see if he's going to back up and do it on his own, literally. And I'll, I'll give him a lot of credit if he does. But I'm not that optimistic about his chances. Okay, so we actually agree, don't we? Well, I have Indiana beating Charlotte. Who do you have again? I have Charlotte beating Indiana. Okay. I have, Bo- I have Washington beating Boston. You agree with me there? Yes. I have San Antonio beating Memphis. Oh, uh, yeah, I had uh, Memphis beating San Antonio. We both have the Lakers beating Golden State. And then in the, the elimination games, I have Indiana beating Boston. You have Boston beating Charlotte. Uh, yes, and getting the eight seed. And I have Golden State beating San Antonio. You have Memphis beating Golden State. And getting the eight seed. Wow, that's one of us is going to look real dumb soon. And it's likely going to be me. Not necessarily, because we can split this. Yeah, splitting things isn't something Webb's very good at. <laughs> I guess splitting things hasn't worked out in your favor, so maybe not. No. Okay, so 
I think this play-in thing is really fun. I, I was kind of lukewarm on it before, but now that it's happening, I'm a fan web. Do you think it's going to be a good good idea? I think it depends on where you are, man. Like, if you're a top four or five seed, I don't think you care necessarily. But, like, if you're a team that's on the bubble there, the sixth seed, seventh, you probably don't want to. So I agree that it's made the end of the season uh, good. Like, yesterday, every team played, which was cool. Um they may not have played their star players or their starters, but it does make the end of this the season exciting. Um, so I, I don't know if I'm here for it permanently, but it is nice to see like the ninth seed is still playing for something two weeks later. I think it's just a fun idea. It's it's a short season. I think it's just something fun to bring more fans in, give some small market teams some extra love. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. I don't think they're... Are they going to do it next year, too, when there's an 82-game 80, season? They might. Zion didn't make it in the playoffs again, so they got to they got to <laughs> find a way to get him in the playoffs. That was the whole reason why they brought him in. That's my hunch. Your hunch was correct last year. That's 100% that would happen last year, for sure. Yeah. It was the last minute... Oh, the New Orleans Pelicans are really close to making it, but uh, <laughs> they're not going to be the eighth seed, so let's just make this makeshift uh, tournament to get them in, and they didn't make it. And second year in a row, they didn't make it. So I think they'll bring it in until Zion gets in. Yes. Okay, let's get to our interview with Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report. Everyone, please go buy his book, Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. And follow him on Twitter at Jake L. Fisher. Let's get to it. Okay, we have an amazing guest right now. We have Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report. He has written a book, Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever which I agree, by the way. And you should follow him on Twitter, at Jake L. Fisher. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Jake. Thank you guys for having me. It's a, it's a wonderful day to talk about losing on purpose. <laughs> so <laughs> Web, Web and I get in this argument all the time because I think the process works. I think you agree with that. How do you feel about tanking? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I went on one show recently in Phoenix and they so what, what, what's your problem with tanking? I said, I got no problem with it at all. In fact, I, I think the way the NBA structure works is that if you're not a small, if you're not a big market team, especially the, the most direct path for any NBA franchise to collect an all-star, let alone multiple all-stars is through the top of the draft. And that's the way the teams win titles. I mean, look at Anthony Davis and LeBron last year, all the top contenders in the league right now. Look at the Jazz, look at the Nets, look at Philly. I mean, on down, the Clippers, the Nuggets, all these teams are built on multiple all-stars. They're all-star type talented guys. So, um, you know, the quick spiel, I, I talked to over 300 people for it, and there's a bunch of original information in there from players, coaches, agents, executives who all talk about how if you really want to compete for a championship, if you don't want to be the Sacramento Kings, who I include in the book, who obviously haven't been to the playoffs now for 15 straight years, if you don't want to be the Orlando Magic, who – tried to rebuild and then had to rebuild from the rebuild this year. Now, if you want to really be a, a true title contender and not, and not waste your, your time, actually be a team that has a, a chance at taking home that Larry O'Brien trophy. The most direct way to do that is to get bad, get a couple franchise changing guys like Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And when your process works, you will emerge as the number one seed in your conference. So I'm a huge fan of the book. Everyone Thank go you. check it out. Uh, and, and your articles. Um, you've had a very big month of May, it seems, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jake. Um, for me, like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I, 
I, I know in your book you say you're not you're kind of on the fence you're down the middle but you can't argue with the fact that um it's it makes the most sense to bottom out rather than you know playing for the eighth seed the ninth seed it just doesn't doesn't make sense um for me i just see the philly process as i don't know i think some <laughs> things worked out in their favor i think mb like fell to the sixers he should have gone number one, but that foot injury he had. I'm not sure if you get into this in the book, but they got really. I definitely do. I definitely really do. fortunate. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Cavs, Cavs officials to this day maintain that Embiid broke his foot in that workout in Cleveland, and he would have gone one absolutely. David Griffin pulled everybody in the front office. That was the best workout I've ever seen in my life, and he was hitting 14 straight threes, and he had the personality to boot. Like there is a. Cavs assistant coach of Jordy Fernandez is now at Denver from Spain. And he said, you know, it's one thing for a guy to be really good. It's another thing for a guy to be really funny and really funny in his thing, in, a, in his second language. And, you know, that's what Joel Embiid is. And those are the types of personalities and talents. You, you got to have both in order to be a true, you know, franchise cornerstone. I, it takes a unique type of mindset to take all that pressure and to take, you know, the moment and to be center stage and, and have everything fall on your shoulders. So how I look at it from an NBA standpoint is if you're the eight seed or nine seed, you have no real shot at the title. I would rather be the worst team in basketball, win 15 games and have hope, than win 40 and be miserable for the next six years. I think, and I got that way because of football. But if you don't have a great quarterback in football, you're done. Tank, get one. In NBA, it's the same thing. You need to tank to get a great player. Then you have a shot at the title. The process worked. It worked. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it really came about and why the book exists and you know, the tanking era that I described. It, it wasn't just Sam Hankey in Philly. You know, he, the, the Celtics traded KG and Paul Pierce to Brooklyn to start a rebuild from the, that, that big three era. The same exact night, the 2013 draft, that Sam traded Drew Holiday to New Orleans. And Rob Hennigan, you know, got poached from the, the OKC Thunder front office. When they, you know, get they tank and they get KD and Russ and Harden, they get to the finals in 2012. So the Magic think, who better to start our rebuild from the Dwight Howard era than Sam Presti's number two? Ryan McDonough goes to Phoenix. And those Suns were actually supposed to be worse than Philly heading into the 13-14 season. That's what Vegas said. Um, and, uh, you know, they all started doing this at the, at the same time also because of just like you said, like the Miami Heat were winning the, the league anyway. They were doing it with top five guys. LeBron, Wade, Bosch, all from that 2003 class. And coincidentally, the 2014 draft with Joel Embiid was supposed to be the best class since 03. It was Wiggins and Parker, who, you know, either of them, you know, have never really reached the same stratosphere as Joel, but you know, they were on the cover of Slam, and Wiggins was on the cover of SI heading into that year. And, you know, Marcus Smart was in that draft. Aaron Gordon, you know, that didn't really work out in Orlando, but now he's playing a critical role in the Nuggets team. Lewis Randall was the seventh guy of that top seven who, you know, obviously is an MVP candidate right now. So that draft had all the reasons why teams would tank. And we're seeing how, you know, those products ended up bringing a lot of these teams into, into the real title conversation. And I, I watched that uh, 2013 um, college draft, sorry, college season, the one that preceded mm -hmm. the 2014 draft heavily because I'm, I'm a huge Laker fan and the Lakers were bad. And mm -hmm. they ended up getting the seventh the seventh pick that year. Um, I didn't think Julius Randle was going to fall to the Lakers, but luckily he did. And um, yeah, so I watched that heavily. 
the thing with the with the, the processes and, and I think you get into it in your book because you get into a lot of teams in your book like it seems like uh yeah you start with Calipari and, and we're talking about um oh I'm trying I can't remember which team it was I, think, I don't know if it was Cleveland in the first chapter yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah, uh, I'm taking 13 and 14 pretty I mean their lottery luck over the years has been hilarious but it, right it's happened taking Anthony Bennett and that didn't work out um and then and then selecting Wiggins although he didn't play for them but for me like when I see a team like OKC who and I think Sam Presti has a fantastic eye for talent I just I find that it's a different uh situation than Philly because I Philly can get star players and I think star players can and will sign there or mid-level tier players will do that but with OKC I just find that it's a treadmill uh you know, so they're acquiring a lot of assets. They'll be competitive, but no one's yeah. signing there. No one is going to sign in OKC. We don't even know if that team's going to be there long term. Hmm. Um, <laughs> and I just, I just wonder with a team like that, like all, are, are they replicating uh, Hinky's uh, process, or, or, or do you even see them as the same sort of situation? Or no, I mean, what the Thunder are doing right now is way balder and brazen than what Hinky did, right? I mean, sending Al Horford home for half the year is never something Hinky did at all. I mean, they always played their best lineup. Obviously, they had a lot of injured players and things like that. But uh, I think what OKC is doing is the nth degree. Um, I think that's probably because of what you're saying. Um, and, and that's why I think tanking came in vogue when it did. Um, a lot of these teams, you know, Boston did it, but, you know, Utah also, they were trying to get to the top of that draft. That's where they took Dante Exxon number five. And, you know, Milwaukee, they were not supposed to be a losing team that, that year when they entered it, but they ended up getting a lot of injuries. And they actually were the worst team in the league and got, had the number one odds heading into the lottery. And that's, you know, how they got number two. But it goes to show, like, that was Milwaukee's only option. Like, just like you said, they weren't really go, they weren't really in the position to, um, to build through free agency. And, you know, they got lucky with Giannis Antetokounmpo at number 15 by all, I mean, giving them credit, like John Hammond, the Bucks GM, who I talked to a lot for the book, told me that they didn't think Giannis would be the MVP, but they thought he'd be like an all-star. So credit to them for seeing that, but he was there at 15 for a reason. There was a lot of doubt if he could actually pay it off, but Giannis is, is Giannis and they got him through the draft. Chris Middleton, um, you know, they got very, it was a very stealthy though, add in a little trade with Brandon Jennings to Detroit. He was a second round pick. Um, you know, Drew Holiday, they trade for him and he, he resigns because they have other all-stars in place. It's kind of the, 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 that's the perfect example. Like for small markets to sign these guys, it has to be either through trade pretty much typically. Um, you know, just like OKC did with Paul George, they traded for Paul George and he signed that four year extension before he obviously requested the Clippers, but the most, strategic, direct, simplest way for these teams that aren't the Lakers, which is why they're all over the book, because they can screw up for five straight years and still sign LeBron in 2018 anyway. Um, the other teams that don't have that much room for error, they have to go through this draft method and hope that one day an all-star will, you know, be attracted to the situation, you know, even just like Chris Paul and Phoenix. So I look at Minnesota, what they did over the last 10 games, which was so stupid in my eyes. They're, they're going to trade their pick to Golden State. They had a top three protected pick. If they had lost two more games, they're probably keeping this pick in a, in a really deep draft. Now it's going to go to Golden State, which could be the fifth pick, sixth pick, fourth pick. Do you think teams like Minnesota should lose at the end, get the pick? Like, Where do you stand on this? I don't think it's as cut and dry as fans think. Um, I mean, especially being with 
Kevin uh, Minnesota already has a pretty expensive payroll, right? With Carl Anthony Towns and, and uh, D'Angelo Russell. Um, Anthony Edwards will have to get paid at some point. They've got other guys in the Knicks that have to get paid at some point. And Malik Beasley just signed an expensive new deal. So to get another top pick on that type of contract isn't necessarily just a clean cap sheet, like clap our hands, we get another top guy. And also that's another mouth you got to feed with D'Angelo and Cat and Malik Beasley and Anthony Edwards already there. And the other thing you have to keep in mind is the odds were really, they've been changed by this era that we talked about, right? Lottery reform happened in 2017 as a direct result pretty much of Sam Hankey's process. That's what multiple executives have told me. And now the bottom three teams only have a 14% chance versus the worst team having a 25% chance. So even if Minnesota was finished with the worst record, they only, their odds of falling below that number four protection were pretty high anyway. They, no matter where they were going to fall, they were going to have a higher chance of losing that pick than keeping it. So when you have that trade off in mind, you know, Chris Finch, this new head coach, comes in midseason. He needs to start developing chemistry and camaraderie with his team and also building, you know, good tendencies to have these guys establish, you know, the off season is what's really big in the NBA for guys taking the next leap in their skill development situation. And teams definitely try to structure that. And, and, and to be able to frame that in the context of these games, to see Anthony Edwards' shot selection change from these bad mid-range shots, and now he's just attacking the rim or shooting step-back threes, and to see them growing together, and to see these positive quotes coming out of their press conference today from Cat about, you know, all of them together and how Anthony's progressing. Like, I think the benefit of that is very – it needs to be considered versus it, – it's not just so simple as lose the game because you're going to keep your pick and get another top top number one guy. Like, what what they've built over these last 10 games has also been, like, super monumental for the franchise, I think. And I think also – well, I, I've said this to, to Coop as well. Um, I don't know how long Cat stays in Minnesota. I do think that him, Devin Booker are going to team up one of these years. Just a hunch I have. Obviously, I'm nowhere near as plugged in as you are. Or <laughs> so uh, it, it, it's just a hunch I have, and you know maybe winning those games helped the chemistry a little bit. D'Lo didn't play that much this season. Um, I'm not really a huge fan of that nucleus. I think they should have taken Lamelo Ball instead of Anthony Edwards. I said that from from the beginning, but we'll see. Anthony Edwards played his butt off; like he played well. I'm played a big Edwards guy. I really am. I think he's like maybe Dwayne Wade 2.0. Like he really. Is- I mean, he, and, and and he can shoot it too. I mean, he's both sides of the ball. Like he's still got like the people I talked to in Minnesota. Like he's still got some work to do defensively, but he's gonna figure it out. Like Tom Crean glowed about that guy in the way that and he coached Wayne Wade. You know, he coached Jimmy Butler. So I would enjoy that so much because Webb would be wrong. So I am rooting for you to be right so mu- so badly there. I hope you're right, Jake. I really think I think Edwards is a stud. I mean, Mel, this is not no slouch on on Mel. Lamelo is phenomenal too. I mean, he's I mean he's he's probably single handedly resuscitating that Charlotte franchise, right? But I think Edwards is the guy. I really do. Okay, so we mentioned earlier how great a writer you are. I think you had the best in depth sports feature this whole season about the Indiana Pacers, the drama mm-hmm. there. I loved this. I. So, Webb and I live in Toronto, so we were kind of familiar with Coach Nate. What do you think was the biggest issue going on in Indiana? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a difficult topic to talk about. Obviously, a lot of people were upset with that information coming out. Um, and you hear some coaches in Toronto, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, 
you know, calling out the legitimacy of it with anonymous reporting. But, you know, no one's going to speak about that type of situation and put their name attached to it. You have to grant people anonymity in those situations. It does not disqualify the veracity of it. Um, that's just the way the business works. Um, but, you know, from talking to people around the league, it was it was becoming pretty obvious back to February and March, but, you know, it's just the way that Nate Bjorken apparently communicates to people. Obviously, I'm not there, but everything I reported and everything I'm about to say right now is, you know, why I hear secondhand, but I've heard it from multiple people. I mean, he just seems to be someone who, you know, can has, has a short fuse and is, has, is, is even carries himself with a personality. He's very nice on one day and then is very quick to erupt the next and I don't think that that has been conducive to building a winning culture obviously Indiana fell down uh, to number nine in the east this year and um and nature was brought in to be someone to push them towards closer to the title contention situation in the NBA not to be playing in the playing game so um it's, it's unfortunate I I I don't I wish everyone in that situation um was in a better position. Um, and I, and I hope they, I mean, I hope they figure it out. It, it does kind of sound like as crazy as it is, he might even be back next year. Um, but there's going to be, need to be some changes on the coaching staff and a lot of fences need to be mended if that's going to happen. So I thought that story that you broke was fantastic. I, I echo Coop's sentiments. Shut down the internet. Relax. For... Quit trying to do me. Okay. <laughs> Relax. I complimented Jake. That's my thing. All right. Relax. You beat me to it. But no, I did, it, it shut down the internet for a little bit. Like there was, it was a huge sports story um, because, and huge for me and, and Coop when we were talking because we never thought McMillan should have gotten fired in the first place. Um, and, and, and I don't know what you heard. I, I know in your article, you pointed out some reasons why Nate was on his way, Nate McMillan was on his way out. But to bring in, to bring in this relatively unknown uh, commodity to, to the Pacers, I mean, relatively unknown compared to other candidates that were out there. In one year to hear this, it, to me, not even a full year, but a few months, really. This is scathing. Uh, it's really bad. Of course, um, when a person's still in the situation, you're not going to hear from the horse's mouth that they're going to admit to all these things. Um, and, and, and I never for a second uh, doubted the veracity of what you reported not for one second. And I don't think Coop did either. I think the majority of people or almost everyone believe what you said. It's just while they're in the situation, they're, they're going to deny it. But then you hear, you'll hear everything after. And then, you know, anonymity is going to breed more candor, honesty, and all that other stuff. Right. Um, I, I, I had one bone to pick with his reporting. Oh, uh, okay. you, he did. You didn't mention that they were Indiana was just too cheap to buy new name tags for coach Nate. They replaced coach <laughs> McMillan with coach Nate. That wasn't in your article, and I found that questionable. I'm not going to lie. I will say that uh, the the characteristics of the Pacers ownership group's um, willingness to put checks is definitely something that is talked about in league circles. So I'm not saying that is why that happened, but uh, that's just something I can't confirm. That's my theory, 100%. That's what it was. Read <laughs> between the lines, Coop. <laughs> so, so what was it like getting that? that story, like you were gathering your intel from a, a multiple sources. Um, were you worried at all about how, you know, the Pacers would treat you afterwards or, or other teams would, would view you after, I, I know you're a reporter, so it's not like you can't break stories, but in terms of 
the reaction and the, and the, the climate afterwards? Were, were you worried about that or have you gotten blowback yourself personally, like directly to you? Yeah, I mean, you don't write something like that and expect everyone to give you a smile and a hug afterwards, you know? Um, I mean, it's, it's never something you're comfortable doing. Um, I mean, at the same time, like, I, I only wrote things I heard from multiple people and I, there's a lot of details I left out that were probably even inflammatory and would have made the situation look even worse altogether that, you know, I kept out to even protect the people that, you know, I wasn't exactly protecting by writing it. You know, I think that's just what comes with the job. Like it, there's so much more you can write. Um, but uh, I, I think the sign of a good reporting is when you leave stuff on, when you're able to leave stuff on the cluttering floor because you have enough good stuff anyway um so yeah i mean i started hearing stuff around february and march you know around the trade deadline and i didn't want to be the one to break it because as much as i stand by what i wrote and what i've heard like you don't i don't necessarily want to be the person who tells the public that someone is about is in jeopardy of losing their job and they're also probably not by all these i mean i didn't write it in the story but you know the, the anecdotes in there come to the conclusion that this guy doesn't seem like a very nice person. Um, and that's, you know, not something I, I don't really like to write about people in that regard. Um, so yeah, I mean, there is anxiety that comes right before and during the day too. And when your phone starts buzzing, like, who is it? Who is it? Like, is someone going to be yelling at you? And yeah, someone did call me and call me a liar and whatever. And you, move, you try to move through it and, you know, handle it with professionalism and class and all that type of stuff. Um, but, you know, at a certain point, like, I'm going to write about the Pacers again, and the the ball will keep bouncing, you know. So, and there's 30 teams, and there's other stories elsewhere. So even if the, the, even if those doors do close full-time, um, I'll figure it out, you know. Not to say, like, I don't need anybody or I don't care about a team or a player or an agent or whatever, but, like, if something I wrote, even if it was, you know, a little bit deviated from the true, true, truth, which you're never going to actually find out because everyone has their own side of a story, right? So you just try to get as much as close to the, as close to it as possible. Um, you know, if there is an issue with it and I am on the wrong, even to a slight degree, like all I can do is my best man and I'm coming, I'm writing another story next week, you know? So, um, I guess that's my long rambling answer. <laughs> See, that's why you're a better person than me because I love trashing people. I trash Webb as much as possible. <laughs> I, know, I know we're short on time, but I'm going to get you out of here on this question. Okay, really, really simple. Yeah. Did the Lakers win their playing game against Golden State? This, this is going to hurt Webb's feelings. I mean, I hope you have a good answer. No, hope- I think I think they will win it. I think they'll win it. I mean, Steph can go. Steph can blow up as we just saw on Sunday. Um, but and the Lakers have so much size, and I think that's like this obvious weak weak spot in this current Warriors setup. Like as much as they were the small ball Warriors, and they kind of pushed that um, strategy into the mainstream, the Lakers play with such a size advantage every time they step on the court, especially in this situation, especially with LeBron. And it seems like they're kind of gelling a bit here at the right time. You know, maybe that won't happen. Maybe the Warriors will win. Um, but I think the Lakers have this one in the bag. Like, I don't think LeBron is losing to Juan Toscano-Anderson in the playing game. No offense to Juan Toscano-Anderson. <sighs> like Joel Embiid fell to the Sixers, this is just going to fall to the Lakers. 
gonna beat the <laughs> gonna beat the Warriors, play Phoenix, upset Phoenix, then play Denver uh, or Portland, beat them, head right back to the West End Conference Finals against Utah or the Clippers. Not worried about it at all. At all. I, I think they've got a pretty good path. I mean, at the end of the day, I was talking to a bunch of people in the Western Conference uh, early or late last week, trying to actually report out the beginnings of the story on the Lakers. They have a, they have a weird offseason ahead of them. They only really have five guys under contract. Um, and the whole Dennis Schroeder situation is not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, turning down that four eighty four million dollar deal. Um, and still to a to a man, everyone said, you know, if they're healthy, I'm not betting against Braun and AJ. So I think that's that's what it is. Like we're we're about to find out with Brooklyn, with the Lakers, we're about to find out that the regular season really might not matter as long as you make it in, as long as your guys are healthy for the for the playoffs. If our guys are better than your guys, we're going to keep winning. We're about to find out, you know, just how real that strategy is this, this, this uh, postseason. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Jake. We really appreciate it. Everyone, please go buy his book, Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. Go read his articles on Bleacher Report. Follow him on Twitter, at Jake L. Fisher, the number one basketball reporter in the world, bar none. <laughs> 100%. I'm just honest. That's what it is. Thanks a lot, Jake. Thank we you, really man. appreciate it. You've done a great job of gassing me up, and uh, I thank you guys for the platform to talk about my book. It's been uh, some fun, guys. Hey, thanks again to Jake Fisher for coming on the show today. Again, please go buy his book, Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. Read him on Bleacher Report, and go follow him on Twitter, at Jake L. Fisher. Webb, I love this interview. It was great. One of our best interviews and one of the most prominent reporters out there in the basketball circles i loved yeah, it me too i say all our interviews are good but this one this one was actually good yeah this was the a plus 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 for sure uh we'll be back thursday talking a little nfl schedule and of course going over the, the playing games hopefully golden state has beaten the lakers by then so we'll have a lot to talk about i'm really looking forward to that Web, are you ready for a lakers loss Here, here's how i can hedge because if the lakers lose they're still in it so no you cannot hedge. i'm good 98% sure we're going to eat Steph Curry. Like, No, you can't hedge. Nick, <laughs> no, there's no, no. no coming back from this. No, no, I was joking. I'm all in. Lakers are winning that game. It'll be 10 points. Curry's going to have a bad game. Oh, okay. Yeah. Doubling down here, guys. Steph Curry is going to have a bad game for Steph Curry. He's going to struggle. Is Steph Curry an overrated superstar in your eyes? No, you heard it here first, folks. Steph Curry is an overrated superstar. Webs. I just want to see, like, I've been going on Twitter, like, seldomly in the last little bit, but there's been a lot of Steph Curry hate um, that I've seen, which is surprising because I thought everyone loved him. But a lot of people are, like, doubting whether he can do it on his own. So, okay, we will see. Uh, We'll see. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Everyone, please go follow us on Twitter at Rookie Phenoms. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Again, we are on Undrafted Sports, the Undrafted Sports Network. The podcast of the week this week is the Broly Talks Hockey. It's an NHL podcast. The NHL playoffs are starting. So look into that. It's a great podcast where you get a lot of hockey information. Web and I are in Canada. Hockey's huge here. Just not to us. 
I follow hockey. Stop that, Coop. It's, it's so weird, man. It's so weird that you're doing hockey and not baseball. It blows my mind. I don't care about baseball at all. Don't care about it at all. I think hockey's way more exciting. Of course you do. Well, that is the most hockey and baseball talk you'll get from us all year. Definitely. <laughs> so thank you for listening. Have a great night. We out.